Chronicles chapter 27. So, um, what we saw after King Solomon's reign was the kingdom split in two. You had the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, Rehoboam, uh, Solomon's son, took the southern kingdom of Judah. And Jeroboam, who was Solomon's servant, took the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, You then had a series of um, kings. Some were good, some were bad, and some were really, really ugly. We never had a good king in the northern kingdom. All the kings of Israel uh, were never good kings, and they were never from the same families. Like I said, Jeroboam was the first king in the northern kingdom. Rehoboam was the first king in the southern kingdom. All of the kings in the southern kingdom were still from David's line. So David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, etc., etc. The kings in the northern kingdom were from different families. Um, Jeroboam only had one son reign, and that was Nadab. But Asher then, um, I think, assassinated Nadab, and he reigned, and then his son Elah reigned, and then uh, Zimri assassinated Elah, and then Zimri was killed, and then Omri uh, was a different family. Uh, so you never had... Uh, that stability in the northern kingdom, and there was never a good king. It, uh, they all said, I think apart from one, uh, it all said that they followed after the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and they made Israel to sin. But in the southern kingdom, you did have some good kings. The first good king was Asa. Asa was a good king. Um, Jehoshaphat, his son then, was a good king. Uh, and then you had Joash, Amaziah, and Uzziah were good kings. So, during Uzziah's reign, um, Isaiah the prophet prophesied during Isaiah's reign. And during Isaiah's reign, you had all of those kings in the northern kingdom. Again, I'm just trying to show the instability that you had in the north. And we looked at um, the the, um, four kings last week, Shalom, Manahem, Pekiah, and Pekah. And apart from one of those, all of those kings were assassinated. From Zechariah um, down through to Pekah, every one of those was assassinated bar Manahem, and he's the only one who died a natural death. And at the, um, during Pekah's reign, you had Uzziah's son Jotham, uh, or Jotham, take the throne. And that's where we pick up our um, account on the good, the bad, and the ugly in Second Chronicles chapter 27, and verse 1, it says, Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah did, howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord, and the people did yet corruptly. He built the high gate of the house of the Lord, and on the wall of Ophel he built much. Moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah, and in the forests he built castles and towers. He fought also with the king of the Ammonites and prevailed against them. And the children of Ammon gave him the same year a hundred talents of silver and ten thousand measures of wheat and ten thousand of barley. So much did the children of Ammon pay unto him, both the second year and the third. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. 
He was five and twenty years old when he began to reign and reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. And Jotham slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Ahaz, his son, reigned in his stead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day and for this time together this morning. And we just pray you speak to our hearts through your word today, Lord. We just ask that we would be able to apply it, uh, that we might be able to meditate upon it, and that we might be able to use it, especially in this week ahead, Lord. We are so thankful for the way in which you speak to us, Lord. We are thankful for the way in which you guide us. And we just pray today, Lord, that you would help us. Whatever the need is here in the building today, Lord, if there's a need of salvation, then we pray that souls would be saved. If there's a need of encouragement, if there is a need of help, if there's a need of strength, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would help us in that way today and we'd be mindful to give you the glory for it. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I think the one thing that we kind of would really like in our lives is um, a bit of stability. Uh, the one thing that we really dislike is if uh, we're in work and there's an uncertainty in work, we would just like things to be stable. Um, in, in the home, you know, sometimes we, we see things are going well and we're kind of all excited and then, you know, something will happen with the kids or something will happen uh, with finances or, and there's that instability. And we just would like things to be stable. We don't like bumps in the road, do we? You know, one of the, the things I, I really dislike the saying when life has thrown us a curveball. Uh, for anybody who's ever ever watched baseball, um, and, and you get a, an angle of the pitcher, um, uh, you know, pitching towards the, the, the batter, and the ball is going really straight, and the batter's about to swing, and then all of a sudden, the ball just takes this incredible curve, and he misses. And sometimes we feel like life has thrown us a curveball, and we would just like some stability, some steadfastness. And sometimes the problem is, is with us. Sometimes we are not steadfast. It was really interesting um, this week. The girls put up on um, our social media page and asked the question, what's your New Year's resolution going to be? And it was really encouraging to see the, 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 most of the people who commented said, I want my, my walk with the Lord to be closer. I want my walk with the Lord to be you know, more stable. I want my walk with the Lord to mean something I want. And we would all really like that stability or that steadfastness in our walk with the Lord. You know, Paul uh, made a couple of comments, especially in Ephesians, where he said about standing fast. And, you know, and as Christians, we are meant to be steadfast. We are meant to stand firm. And what's interesting about Jotham is that a lot of the good kings of Israel, it says that they were good, but they, 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 they weren't good all their lives. Uzziah was an incredible king. Um, you know, Uzziah was a great king. But right at the end of his life, he went into the temple, tried to, uh, to offer incense that was only meant to be done by the priests. And he was, he, was, you know, he was chased out of the temple and as a result, ended up being a leper for the rest of his life. So he started well, but he didn't end well. And each king that we've looked at so far, Asa was the king who started well. Jehoshaphat was the king of compromise. Amaziah was the king of in inconsistencies. Uzziah was the king of a faulty finish. So even the good kings weren't good like their whole lives. But what's really interesting about Jotham, this is what, nine verses? I think in, in 2 Kings 15, it's a similar kind of briefness of Jotham's history, just a few verses, but Jotham is a king of steadfastness. 
He's not just a king who started well, but he actually finished well. He, he, he held fast. He persevered. Um, it says that in verse 6, Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord. Uh, and you know that holding fast, that steadfastness, that being committed, these are traits that are missing in, in, in daily lives today. You know, nobody likes to start a project and never finish it. You know, nobody likes to, uh, you know, is there something frustrating, um, you know, with, uh, you know, beginning something and not seeing it through to the end. I think I've, I've, I've used this illustration before where the, um, a, a composer had quite a rebellious son. And what the son would do late at night, he would uh, come in, um, you know, after a, a, a night out, he would go to the piano and he would play a scale. Um, is the piano on, Andy Elaine? Okay, he would play a scale. And this is what he would do. He would go... and go to bed. And the, and the father would... he just couldn't contain himself. So in the middle of the night, the father would come downstairs and go to the piano so he could finish off the scale. Because it was unfinished. And I think there's something quite frustrating um, about things that are unfinished. And a lot of that comes in in the preparation. None of us, would, we would never say that we prepare to or plan to fail. You know, we, we, if we are prepared in anything, we, we kind of want things to be successful in all aspects of our life. Whether that's our jobs, whether that's our home life, whether that's the projects we do. But more importantly... We should prepare in a spiritual sense. We want to be steadfast. You know, we want to be committed to the Lord. We want to make sure that people see uh, our testimony. Uh, we want to make sure that people see that we, we love the Lord and that the Lord has made a difference in our lives. And as a result, then we, we, we want to share what the Lord has done with us so that he can make a difference in their lives as well. I'm sure there's been times in the past where We've made promises that we haven't been able to keep. Or, um, you know, we've um, maybe been asked to do something and we said, yeah, yeah, we'll do that, no problem. But we've not been able to, uh, to fulfill that promise we've made. Or, you know, we've not been the best uh, employer or we've, uh, we've not been, um, you know, the, the, the best in our commitment to the Lord. But what I like about Jotham is the fact that he held fast to the end of his life. He persevered and he followed the Lord. And when you read um, this account of, of, of Jotham, you know, this is interesting because Chronicles um, was, was written as Israel was coming back into the land after exile. So you can almost imagine people coming to this king and being, right, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do in order to change because what we did before the exile didn't work. So this is the type of life that we need to live in order to be pleasing to the Lord. Um, so we're going to look at a few things about Jotham's life and see if we can apply them to ourselves. So the first thing we see is Jotham's accession, how he came to um, the throne. And in, in verse 1, um, the, 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 the chronicler gives us his age. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 16 years. And his mother's name also was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And that's interesting that 
um, the mother's name is mentioned. Quite, and it's not an unusual thing. It's quite a few times um, we see the mother's name mentioned. The, in the book of Chronicles, nine out of the 19 kings of Judah, um, the, the chronicler mentions the mother's name. In the book of Kings, the mother's name is mentioned 16 times out of the 19 kings. And Jotham's mother was um, Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Um, so that kind of may give us an indication to um, Jotham's respect for the temple. It says that he didn't enter um, the, uh, the temple. Uh, it says um, that he did that in verse 2. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah did. How be it, he entered not into the temple of the Lord. And yet the people did corruptly. Uh, and what's interesting is some people say, oh, um, the, the problem with Jotham is he, is he never went to the temple. So he didn't have that relationship with the Lord. And I don't think that's what the writer of Chronicles is saying. What I think the writer of Chronicles is saying is, look, his, his mother was the daughter of um, Zadok, uh, the priest, you know, from that line. And as a result, he had more of an insight into um, how the temple operated than his father Uzziah did. If you remember, Uzziah's downfall was the fact that he went into the temple, offered, offered incense that only the priests were allowed to offer, and as a result was punished by the Lord. And I think um, what this is showing us is that Jotham approached the Lord as he was instructed. He followed the example of his mother and his father. He followed his father's example in the fact that I'm not going to make the same mistakes my father made. And he followed his mother's example in the fact that she was teaching him as, as a, from, a, from a priestly aspect. Maybe Uzziah taught him from a kingly aspect, but his mother, Drusha, taught him from a, a priestly aspect. And therefore, he had a good balance in his life. And I think sometimes we underestimate the importance of influence in our lives uh, and, and the importance of um, you know, parents is brilliant. Um, kids literally do mimic what they see in terms of how they act and how they behave. And they, they mimic what their parents do. It is really interesting when you, when you speak to Hannah, and especially Lily on FaceTime. Um, and I love it, the fact that Lily is going to be the only American that says mom and not mom. Because that's how she talks, mom. Mom, mom, and she's got such a Welsh accent. It's brilliant. I don't want her to go to school. I don't want her to go to be corrupted by the American language, and I don't want her to learn how to spell words the wrong way. But at least for the time being, we can hold on to the fact that she says, Mom. Hannah said it was really cute when it first started, but then it starts to wear thin when it's Mom, Mom, Mom. But kids follow what they hear. You know, they, all she's heard is, is Hannah on the phone to Joe saying, Mom, Mom, Mom. So Lily then just copies what Hannah says. And that's the thing, you know, kids copy what they see. And I'm saying all of that to say this. It's important that we are the right influence on our kids and that we never stop being the right influence on our kids, no matter how old they are. Because it is important. Uh, you know, with a, with a mother and father's example, Jotham then was able to live a righteous life before the Lord. 
he was then able to be faithful in worship. And, and he did prove to be more faithful in his father because he learned from his father's mistakes. I think one of the most frustrating things when you read the scripture is how some good kings can have really bad children. Uh, I mean, Hezekiah was one of the best kings that we have, and we haven't come to him yet. But his son was Manasseh, and Manasseh was the worst king out of all of them. And yet Hezekiah was so godly, and that doesn't really make sense. But then Hezekiah had um, uh, Manasseh. Uh, Manasseh then had, I think that was his name. If Brother Andrews would be able to tell me straight away. Um, Manasseh had a son, and I can't find his son's name now. I'm sorry. Um, Ammon. Um, so Manasseh had a son, Ammon, he was uh, just as bad, but then Ammon had Josiah, and Josiah led one of the biggest revivals that Israel had ever seen. So it, it's crazy how a, a, you know, a, a good king can have such a bad son, and how such a bad king can have such a good son, and we see that all through scripture. Samuel's sons were, you know, were, were, were not very good, and that was what caused Israel to want the king in the first place, because Samuel's sons were quite um, corrupt. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's so important that as parents, we try to have a, a godly, positive influence in our children's life. Because Jotham's behavior is actually pleasing to God. Um, and again, we see that phrase in verse 2, howbeit he entered not into the temple of the, of the Lord. And that's not a negative comment about Jotham. And some commentators do say, oh, well, you know, he, he may have been good, but he, you know, he didn't worship the Lord like he should. And I think this is a lesson that he really took from his father's life to say, do you know what? I'm going to treat the temple like it's meant to be treated. I'm not going to enter the temple brazenly because I'm the king. You know, sometimes it's almost as if Uzziah was like, well, I'm the king and I'll do what I want, just like Saul did uh, when he uh, made a sacrifice that was only meant to be done by the priests. Uh, and Jotham has that humility, so it's not a failure on his part. One commentator said this, the one lesson which can be learned from him is, is that while it was good to imitate those leaders who have lived their lives for the advancement of God's kingdom, yet their failings must not be limited, nor should their errors be adopted. He learned from his father the costliness of acting wrongly and was preserved from repeating the same mistake. Those kings in Judah who walked in the ways of David and were praised for doing so were never guilty of copying his behavior with Bathsheba. So it's, you know, what Jotham did is he simply took the positive influence from his mother, but he also looked at the negative aspects of his father's life and learned from uh, both of their, their character traits for his walk with the Lord to be what it was. Uh, so we see um, how uh, Jotham came to the throne. And then we see his activities. We are not only see his accession to the throne, we see his activities. And it says uh, in verse 3, He built the high gate of the house of the Lord, and on the wall of Ophel he built much. Moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah, and in the forests he built castles and towers. He fought also with the king of the Ammonites and prevailed against them. And the children of Ammon gave him the same year a hundred talents of silver and ten thousand measures of wheat and ten thousand of barley. So much did the children of Ammon pay unto him both the second year and the third. So 
Jotham um, was not only a good king, he, he was not only um, a, a, a good in, in terms of how he worshipped, he was also a, a good military um, commander. He was a good builder. Um, and as a result, um, the, the kingdom prospered. Um, he built the high gate of the house of the Lord. Now, this gate already existed. It was already there uh, in the city. Um, so some people, the thought is that he restored it or strengthened it or um, just made it more beautiful. The north gate, the, the, or the high gate, was on the north side of the temple. Ezekiel tells us this, that the, behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth towards the north. Now, one kind of frustration then that, that we probably have with all of the good seven kings um, is at this point they still haven't removed the high places from the kingdom of Judah. So the people, even though Jotham's relationship with the Lord is right, you still had people worshiping the idols and you still had people up in the high places. Um, but even though that idolatry was still going on around him, he still had a desire that the house of the Lord was looked after. He had a desire um, that uh, he wanted to protect and preserve the temple and its worship. Uh, and the high gate actually led from where the king's palace was to the temple. 2 Chronicles 23 and verse 20 says, he took captains of hundreds and the nobles and the governors of the people and all the people of the land and brought down the king from the house of the Lord and they came through the high gate into the king's house and the king set and, and set the king upon the throne of the kingdom. So Jotham, beautifying, repairing, rebuilding this high gate uh, is quite significant um, because he wanted effectively free access from his house straight to God's house. Uh, and I think that's why he was so good in terms of his steadfastness because he was a king who really wanted to put God first even though the nation was in a mess. And sometimes, you know, what we can do as Christians, we can be like, well, the world's in a mess. So why should I bother? Why should I be the one person that, you know, is trying to do right? Why should I be the one person, um, you know, that's living for the Lord? Why should I be the one person? It doesn't matter what the world is doing. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It, we're, not, we're not called to literally go with the flow. We're not called to be in a majority. We're called to just walk after the Lord. Uh, and all Jotham wanted was, it, does, it didn't matter that people were still worshiping in the high places. It didn't matter that people were still serving false gods. It didn't matter what everybody else was doing. Jotham said, this is what I'm going to do. And sometimes our walk with the Lord can be affected because we are so concerned about what everybody else is doing. The Lord's not told us to, to look at what everybody else is doing. The Lord has told us to keep focused on him. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Looking for that blessed hope. And that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. We're not meant to be looking at the world around us. Because guess what? When we look at the world around us, we will be disheartened. 
we will be frustrated. We will, we will get angry at the injustice that seems to be going on. And, uh, you know, the, the thing in the news at the moment now is what's happened, what happened with the, the postmasters. And all of that is coming back to light again. And, you know, when you look at, you know, how innocent people suffer and how, you know, the, the people in power seem to be pulling all the strings. And we can get frustrated and disheartened and downcast because of all of that. But we're not meant to be looking in those places for any kind of help because we're not going to get help there. We're meant to just keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. And we're to look to him. And I think it's, it's significant that Jotham beautified this gate, rebuilt this gate, strengthened this gate because he wanted unfettered access to the house of the Lord. And that is why, again, I feel like um, in verse 2, that how be it he entered not into the temple is not said in a negative way because he wanted access to worship God as he was meant to. So we had access to the, the, the temple compound where he was allowed to go, but he didn't go into the temple itself where only the priests were meant to go. Um, and it wasn't just the gate um, that he restored. He also built cities in the mountains of Judah and in the forest. He built castles and towers. And he had victory over the Ammonites, and he prevailed against them, and the children of Ammon gave him the same year a hundred talents of silver, and ten thousand measures of wheat, and ten thousand of barley. So much did the children of Ammon pay unto him, both the second year and the third. Uh, and again, it's, uh, it, it's interesting, um, because Israel's neighbors had always kind of um, uh, had this animosity towards him, whether it was the Ammonites, whether it was the Amalekites, whether it was the Moabites, whether it was the Philistines, where we see Syria, um, Egypt, Assyria, we see, and uh, eventually Babylon, we see all of those nations that surrounded Israel have this animosity towards them. Uh, and, and, and nothing has changed even today. But we see uh, 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 Jotham have this victory over the Ammonites. And as a result, they paid 100,000 talents of silver. Who can remember how much 100,000 talents of silver is? Ooh, we mentioned this last week, and we've mentioned it with two kings now. Um, so, in, um, I'm not sure if it's 2 Chronicles 25 or 2, yeah, 2 Chronicles 25, Amaziah. So, Amaziah, if you remember, hired 100,000 men from the northern kingdom of Israel for a thousand talents of silver. Um, and the man of God told him, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee, for the Lord is not with Israel. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. So Amaziah had hired... 100,000 men from Israel to add to his army, to make his army stronger. The man of God said to Amaziah, you don't need to pay the northern kingdom because, you know, you, you, you're not to be yoked up with them because they're not walking with me. You don't need to pay 100,000 uh, 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 pounds of silver to them for, the, for this army because I can give you much more than that. And we actually said what 1,000 pounds of silver was. Close because that was a thousand talents of silver. This is a hundred talents of silver. So you're, you're close. But we did mention that last week. It was two 
million pound based on um, today's uh, weight. So 100 tons of silver. So remember, the man of God said to Amaziah, you've paid 100 tons of silver for this army, but you don't need to do that. I can give you that money and more. And what we see here is Jotham is faithful to the Lord. So we see this kind of promise that was made to Amaziah from this man of God. We see that promise being fulfilled because Jotham was faithful to the Lord and the Lord not only gave him 100 talents of silver, which was 2 million, he also gave him 10,000 measures of wheat and 10,000 measures of barley. So that promise that was made to Amaziah is actually fulfilled here. So Amaziah was unfaithful to the Lord and trusted in riches and manpower. And God said, look, if you'd only trusted in me, I'd have given you that many and more. And then Jotham trusts in the Lord and the Lord gives him that many and more on top of it. Um, so all that saying is, you know, uh, all, all that is proven is, is if you put the Lord first, I'm not saying he's going to give you all 2.2 million. Um, you know, if he wanted to, we could. And I'm just going to say this out, right, uh, 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 up front. If he does give you 2.2 million, don't forget the tithe, 10%. But what I will say is this, is when we put the Lord first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. What things? Not the things that we want, but the things that we need. And God is able. My God is able to do abundant, exceedingly above all that we ask or think, if we put him first. And that's what Jotham did. And as a result, Jotham was blessed because of it. And then we not only see his ascension to the throne, we not only see his activities while he's on the throne, we see his accolades. In verse 6, it says, Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord. If you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. It is that simple. Listen, we all know how to do it. Uh, I, I love the fact that for one day a year, our kitchen becomes a military operation. Christmas Day, there are lists everywhere. Everything is timed to the minutest detail because, you know, the roasties have got to go on at a specific time. And, you know, um, 45 minutes and 23 seconds after the roasties have gone on, then this veg needs to go in. And then 14.2 minutes after that veg has gone on, you know, this has got to go in the oven, and then that's got to come out of the oven. And it is, it's like a military operation. And if it's not prepared, it's a mess. It's an absolute disaster. And I don't know why that one meal a year is so important. And if it's messed up, that's Christmas done. It doesn't matter what gifts you had. It doesn't matter how nice the tree looked. It doesn't matter how much family um, shed they love uh, during that day to everybody. It doesn't matter. Everything rests upon the Christmas dinner. You know, I am sick and tired of my wife saying to me, don't put too much gravy browning in there. Every year, for so long, she has told me the same thing. 
Not too much gravy browning, because when you warm the gravy back up, it goes darker. It's got nothing to do with the message. This is just something I've got to get off my chest. And I'm only brave enough to do it when I'm stood behind the pulpit. Woman, you've got to stop. But there are many things like that in our lives that we really do prepare for. Um, and, and when we've done that, for those who've gone on holidays, and you've, you've, even though everything's online, you've printed out all your tickets to make sure that if I can't get access to the internet when I'm in the airport, I want everything printed out. They've never asked for a bit of paper, but every year we go, that paper's printed out. Whether it's the ticket, whether it's a hotel reservation, whether it's the car hire voucher, everything, because we want to be prepared because we don't want things to mess up. But sometimes we, we really do fail to prepare when it comes to our walk with the Lord. We put in the effort with so many things uh, in the rest of our lives. But I, I love the fact that what it says here about Jotham, he became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord. And what an encouragement that is. Um, he, he prepared his ways. It, it, it literally means that, uh, that he had an ordered life that he had an established life, uh, that this was a, a personal walk with the Lord, and he recognized the importance of having a walk with the Lord, and he recognized the importance of not just winging it. You know, there are some people in life who can just get away with winging stuff. Ah, we'd be all right. There are some people in life who are so, who can't make a decision to save their lives. Jamie and I are really bad at making decisions. And there have been times when we've gone to watch the rugby in Cardiff and even just picking a, a place to go for somewhere to eat, we've starved to death because neither of us can make a decision to say, well, what do you think? Well, I don't mind. What do you think? Well, I don't mind. What do you think? We are so henpecked by our wives because they make all the decisions for us. We can't make a decision to save our lives. And it's like being unprepared. And that's not a sort of nice feeling. But sometimes we try and wing it in our walk with the Lord. Ah, it'll be all right. No, it won't be all right. Start the day right, you know, reading the Bible. Start the day right before the Lord in prayer. Don't wing it through the day, because guess what? I can guarantee that something, at some point, at some time during that day, is going to go wrong. And if we kind of have prepared our hearts correctly at the beginning of the day, then the Lord is going to have us um, armored up and prepared for whatever life throws at us, whatever curveball comes, whatever disaster comes, whatever storm rises up, whatever valley is put in our path, whatever happens, we are then prepared to be able to get through that with the Lord. We can't wing it when it comes to walking with the Lord. You know, it's incredible that there were men and women through the Bible who had such a relationship with the Lord that it said, oh, Enoch, he walked with God. You know, Noah walked with God. Levi walked with God. Um, Abraham walked before the Lord. Isaac walked before the Lord. David walked before the Lord. Hezekiah walked before the Lord. And Jotham is kind of in, in that uh, same category as a man who not just walked with the Lord and walked before the Lord, but he prepared his ways with the Lord. A godly, righteous life pleases the Lord. You know, and it's not something that he said, right, you know what, now you're a Christian, you figure it out yourself. And I'm glad he doesn't want us to figure it out himself because like I, I said earlier, I, I am really, you give me two choices and I'm done. I, 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 you just don't give me a choice. 
So I don't mind being handpecked. I don't mind Joe telling me what to do. It works because I, I, I'm so indecisive. Well, I used to be indecisive, and I'm not so sure. <laughs> but God promises to look after us. God promises to take care of the faithful, obedient believer. And then as a result of being faithful and obedient, it doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go our way. But what it means is, is that when we come to those storms, because we prepared our ways before the Lord, the boat is already taken care of. When we come to that valley uh, that we walk through, because our ways are prepared before the Lord, he's with us in the valley. Uh, because of the tribulation that comes our way, he's already there holding our hands to get us through the difficulty. Because of the battle we face, he's already helped us put the armor on and he's standing with us in the fight. Why? Because our ways are prepared before the Lord. But when we wing it and we try and steer the boat ourselves, when we go through the valley and we try and um, navigate that difficulty ourselves, when we go onto the battlefield and try and fight the battle in our own strength, that's when we failed. Why? Because we're not prepared. You fail to prepare, then you prepare to fail. Through the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're given that victory. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ. To receive the presence and power of the Lord, he just wants us to live godly, righteous lives that's pleasing to him. Titus says, or Paul said to Titus, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we've seen... Uh, Jotham's ascension, uh, accession, how he came to the throne. We've seen his activities, what he did while he was on the throne. We've seen his, his accolades, the fact that he was blessed because he prepared his ways before the Lord. And then we see his ascendant. Um, it says in verse 7, Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways, lo, they written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was five and twenty years old when he began to reign and reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. And Jotham slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Ahaz, his son, reigned in his stead. If, what's the, let me ask this question. Is there anything that you think of when you hear the name Ahaz? I'll give you a clue. Um, we use this passage of scripture on Christmas Eve. Ahaz was such a wicked king that Isaiah said to him, if you ask for a sign, God will give you a sign. And he didn't want it. And then he said, but you know what? God's going to give you a sign anyway. A virgin will bring forth a son. And, she will call, and he will call his name Emmanuel. Now, that was given to Ahaz. But not only that, Micah also prophesied during the times of Jotham. And Ahaz. And during Ahaz's reign, Micah gives the prophecy that now unto you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little, although thou be least among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall come a ruler. Um, so during Ahaz's reign, he, we see two incredible prophecies of the Lord Jesus Christ that he'll be virgin born and that he'll be born in Bethlehem. 
Uh, how incredible that Jotham lived such a godly life, that he was steadfast, that he did everything right. And I have no doubt he taught his son the way that he should go. He taught his son uh, the things of the Lord. But the writing was on the wall. Judah, all around Jotham, wickedness was going on. And maybe Ahaz was more influenced by the world than he was by his father. And it says that we, uh, the, the, that, uh, the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars are recorded in the book of the Kings. Well, in the book of Kings, we are told in 2 Kings 15.37, in those days, the Lord began to send against Judah, resin the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah. And we looked at Pekah last week, didn't we? So they came against um, Judah. And what we have here is the start of not only um, Israel's decline, the northern kingdom is about to be taken into captivity by Assyria, um, but we also see Judah's decline. Um, Israel's got one more king that's going to come to the throne before they get taken away by the Assyrians. And uh, Judah, uh, uh, the southern kingdom, have just got a few more kings. Um, I think it's Ahaz, Hezekiah, uh, Manasseh, Ammon, uh, Josiah, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. They've got eight kings left to come to the throne uh, before they are taken away by the Babylonians. But what's also incredible is that during this time, during the time of um, Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, you have Isaiah the prophet prophesying in the southern kingdom. You have Micah the prophet who kind of prophesies to the northern kingdom of their um, demise and also um, to, the, um, to, the, to the southern kingdom as well. Um, but it's incredible um, the dude in all of this, even though Ahaz um, is so wicked, it just bears testimony to the fact that a, a godly father doesn't guarantee a godly son. A good heritage counts for nothing if there's not a personal exercise by those who follow to walk in obedience with the Lord. But that didn't stop Jotham doing the right thing. Jotham didn't turn around and say, well, I can see my son is kind of going off the rails, so therefore, what's the point? He was steadfast. He, he just kept that stability in his relationship with the Lord. No matter what was happening in the world, no matter what was happening in his family, he just prepared his ways before the Lord. And he was blessed. You know, under Jotham's rule, Judah did become prosperous. The, the, the nation was strong economically and militarily. But even though the nation spiritually was heading towards bankruptcy, Jotham still stood fast. And I'm glad he did, because even though Ahaz and, uh, was, was bad, Hezekiah would actually come to the throne and start to deal with the high places. So Jotham's legacy wasn't destroyed by Ahaz. It actually lived on for a few more generations. So can I just say this to you? Don't be disheartened. You know, maybe you are frustrated because your kids are not where they're meant to be. 
Maybe they're not in church. Maybe they haven't got to walk with the Lord. Maybe they're not saved. Maybe they don't want anything to do with the Lord. And we can often look at that as a failure on our part. But just be steadfast. Keep going. Because maybe you will have the opportunity to impact your grandchildren. And bring them to the church. And you never know if your grandchildren are then the ones who will have an impact on your children's lives. Just be steadfast. Keep going no matter what. Father, we thank you again for this time today and for the opportunity to come around your word. And Lord, we pray that we wouldn't get disheartened uh, by what we see going on in the world today, that our focus would only be on the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and that our ways before you would be prepared uh, that we wouldn't haphazardly uh, uh, go into the day with, with, uh, without praying, without reading, without asking for your help and your direction. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do all things. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So would you help us, Lord, uh, with what we have to face in this world? Would you help us in, in terms of being steadfast in our walk so that our family might see that? And Father, regardless of some of the mistakes we may have made in our walk, and regardless of some of the mistakes we may have even made within our families, would you help us um, to not just put that right, Lord, but to put our walk with you right, and that we would trust you for taking care of the rest. So Lord, we just put ourselves in your hands now and ask for your strength and your help and your guidance and your direction in our lives, uh, that we might be uh, stable in our walk, that we might have that steadfastness in our lives, that we, like Jotham, would prepare our ways before the Lord. We pray and ask these things in Christ's most wonderful name. Amen. Amen. I stand and sing our last hymn together. And during the, the, the singing of this hymn, I'm going to ask Terry Sadler if he would come then doing the last verse uh, and just close us out in a word of prayer. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. The Lord, our rock, in him we have.
let's pray together. You know, Heavenly Father, we think where we stand today, a broken world and everything around us just seems to be amiss. And yet, Lord Jesus, we know that uh, from the word we've heard this morning, if we set our sights on you, you will guide us, you will provide for us, and you will establish your, the rightness in our hearts. And Lord, we just ask now that as we leave today, that what we've heard here will take seed in our hearts and that we'll grow closer to you. Lord, we pray for your blessing upon this church and each of us as our families are here, Lord. And as we think of them, we pray your blessing on them. And we, as we return tonight, Jesus, we pray for your blessing. We just want to draw closer to you, Lord. And for the example of this church, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.